Well, let me uh, add my happy Mother's Day to those who have come before. I hope you're being nice to your mother today. Are you being nice to your kids? I see you. You're being nice to your mom this morning. You've got to be nice to your mom today. As many of you know, and uh, by the way, I have to thank you um, for text, cards, letters. Over the last few weeks, as many of you know, I uh, lost my mother about three weeks ago. Mom went home to be with the Lord And I discovered a lot about my mom and my mom's friends and my mom's church associations through the process and um, was greatly, greatly blessed by meeting people that I'd heard about for years. But one of the things that will strike me forever is I was looking through mom's Bibles. Mom collected Bibles through the years and she, uh, she read them. But in the front of every Bible mom owned... Every Bible that I could find, she had handwritten in the front what this book is found to say, I am bound to believe. What this book is found to say, I am bound to believe. As we prepare for the table, as we look at God's Word this morning, let's remember that. As we pray, let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for our families. We think about our mothers today. I think about my mom with you, face to face with with Jesus. But we recognize that it's not ultimately about our, our moms. It's about you. It's about what you do in the life of moms. It's about what you do in the life of dads. It's about what you do in the lives of of children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. It's about what you do as a covenant God, generation after generation after generation. We are, in many ways, (laughs) messed up sinners. And so, Lord, we ask that you forgive us as we come before your throne we, we claim the, the, the free grace of Jesus Christ as we come into your presence. We look forward to hearing your word read to us and meeting with you at the table. And we want this to be about you and worshiping you. So will you come and reveal yourself to us through your word? Will you come and, and meet us at the table we need you. We are, we are nothing without you. We are completely dependent upon you. So we pray that you'd come by the power of your word, by the power of your spirit, and teach us, meet with us, form us, love us, transform us into the very image of our dear Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray all of these things in his name. Amen. Now, you'll notice in your bulletin that I have listed this complete mother's song. It's Hannah's song, very well-known passage of the Bible. I'm not going to read the whole thing this morning. I'm going to focus on the second half, verses 6 through 10, of this famous song of a famous mother, the song of Hannah. Now, this is especially meaningful to to Cindy and me today. Uh, Lost mom a few weeks ago, but we named our daughter Hannah 
after this Hannah. So verses 6 through 10. This is God's word. The Lord kills and the Lord brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and he raises up. The Lord makes poor and he makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them He has set the world. He will guard the feet of His faithful ones. But the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them He will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to His King and exalt the horn of His anointed. And exalt the horn of His anointed. Now, I'm going to cover some some themes in the first two chapters here, but the main thing I want to get right at is I want you to see a pattern in Hannah's life. There's a very clear pattern that that emerges in Hannah's life. It's a simple pattern, but if you take it for yourself, it's life-changing. I want us to all see the, the pattern in this mother's life. And hopefully, as a result, our lives will be changed. We see that Hannah has a predicament. She has a sorrow. She has a pain. She has a difficulty. She has a a disappointment. What does she do? She runs to God. She runs to God in prayer. She got a predicament. She goes to God in prayer. And it's tough. But it ends up in praise. It leads to praise. Simple outline... Life-changing if you apply it. A predicament, a prayer, a praise. What's the predicament? Well, the predicament is, is twofold, and we all face it. There are cultural expectations of her, and there are her own individual expectations of herself. Some of these are good, some of them are bad, but Hannah is not living up to the cultural expectations in the time in which she lives. She's expected to have children. And she doesn't have any children, not not a single child. And the culture at the time expects her to have children. Now, we have to say that one of the reasons Hannah is struggling... The way she is, is she's in a polygamous marriage. One husband, two wives. Now, people often say, you know, you Christians are so hypocritical. That used to be okay in the Bible, and it's not. It's never okay. If you look in the Bible where you have a polygamous marriage relationship, everybody is miserable. I don't have to tell you why. It doesn't work. Don't try it. Don't do it. If you want examples of why it doesn't work, read the Bible. That's the first not-so-good thing here. (laughs) 
that's causing anxiety. Uh, the husband is Elkanah. The, the other wife is Peninnah. And Peninnah is mocking Hannah. You can't have children. I have lots of children. And Hannah was deeply distressed, verse 10, chapter 1, and wept bitterly. Her rival used to provoke her, verse 4, 5, and 6. Her rival used to provoke her and irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. She's in a a terrible marriage situation. And she's grieving because in this culture, having children is is a great, great good. Having children is always a a, a great good. But in this ancient culture, you're you're a hero the more children that you have. Children to serve in the military, to work in the fields, to learn a trade to take care of parents as the parents get older. We've come full circle. You know, there are some European countries that aren't producing enough children to replace themselves. And this ancient culture, this is a great economic good, but, but, but every culture has its penennas. You're not good enough. You're not living up. You're too, well, I'm just going to say it, you're too fat. You're too skinny. You didn't go to the right school. You weren't in the right, I'm really meddling now. You weren't in the right fraternity or sorority or school. You don't know the right people. You don't have the right networks. You're too old. You're too young. Here's one. You're on the wrong side of history. We could go on. Penennas are everywhere. Cultural expectations are not old or new. They're always with us. And that's what Hannah faces. She's disappointing the expectations of her culture. But secondly, and more personally, she wants a child. For, for, for all of the reasons that, that most women want children, family, love, nurture, relationship, fulfillment. I still remember the day that we brought our Hannah home from the hospital. And Hannah was born, our first child. And it was time to leave the hospital. And I'm starting to, to panic. We've had all this help and these nurses and these doctors and everywhere. And we've, I haven't had to worry that much about it. All of a sudden we're in the car and Hannah's in the seat in the back in the car seat. And we're driving home and I'm thinking, what, what do we do? And Cindy and her mom and her sisters, they just, they just know We put Hannah in the middle of our big queen bed at home and just stared at the miracle. The day before I did my mother's funeral, I got a text from my daughter. 
I'm going to get through this. <laughs> I got a text from my daughter with a photograph of a sonogram of a new baby coming in September. A girl. Now, we have five grandsons. There's a girl coming. What do we do? Somebody in the family will know. I don't. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away, doesn't he? What do we do? Well, this is her predicament. Cultural expectations, her own expectations, disappointment everywhere, sorrow. So she goes to prayer. And she prays. How does she pray? In chapter 1, verse 9, after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now, this is something that you might miss if you just skim over it, but the, this, is, this is the turning point in this account, in these first two chapters, of Hannah. Hannah rose. She stood up. Hebrew scholars tell us it's at this point that Hannah is no longer passive. She's no longer curled up. She's no longer overwhelmed. She's no longer giving up. She's deliberate. She's decisive. She steps up and she speaks and she prays. Stands up, rises. In verse 11, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant but will give your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. Now, what kind of prayer is this? It looks like Hannah is bargaining. Please notice, she rises, she's deliberate, she goes to the Lord in prayer. There's a change going on here in her life. And what she's saying to the Lord, if, if you give me a child, if you give me a son, he'll be a Nazarite. Now, what's a Nazarite? A Nazarite is a voluntary Levite. Here's what she's saying. Well, let me paraphrase. Lord, all my life I've wanted a child for me. I've come to the point that I want a child for you. And I'm going to trust you with however you answer this prayer, and I'm having peace and finding peace in this. I'm bringing this prayer to you. I'm trusting you with it. But what Hannah is saying, she's recognizing, she's saying to the Lord, look, if, if he goes and serves at the temple, if he's dedicated to serving at the, the tabernacle, a Nazarite, a voluntary Levite, going and serving at the tabernacle, he's not going to be at home for her. He's not going to learn his father's trade. She might see him once a year. She's not going to be able to lay eyes on him or even hug him. He won't learn his father's trade. He won't be at home. He can't own or inherit. He'll be given over. Lord, I give it to you. I give this predicament, I give this pain, I give this difficulty, I give it over to you. This is what I desire, this is what I long for, this is what the culture sort of expects of me, but I'm at peace now because I've given it to you. 
He's yours. I'm yours. What is it for you? All my life I've always wanted fill in the blank. All my life my goal is to have fill in the blank. Can you come to the place in the midst of your predicament of giving it all over to the Lord and saying it's yours? Whatever it is for you. And then here's what happened. Here's what happens. And Eli answered, go in peace and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad. (laughs) She gave it to the Lord. She gave it over. It's yours. I trust you and I find peace in you. This prayer is the, the turning point. Look. Hannah comes to the point where God is no longer a ticket to something beyond himself. God is no longer a a, a ticket to something that I want outside of him or beyond him. Or apart from him. And let me say this, I'm going to meddle even more. Even if it's eternal life, are you in this for eternal life or are you in this for God? Do you see Jesus Christ as useful or beautiful? Do you see God as useful to something you're trying to get, you're something, something you're trying to accomplish, something that you want? Hannah has come to the point of trusting God and seeing Him as beautiful and wanting only Him more than anything else. My life is yours. My child, if he comes, is yours. My thoughts, my prayers, my energies, my gifts, my talents are yours. She wants him. And this leads to to praise. Of course, her, her prayer is answered here. She conceives and bears a son, Samuel, who will be one of the great heroes of, of the Bible. And as a result, she sings this song, this mother's song, Hannah's song. The Lord kills, brings to life, brings down to Sheol, raises up, makes poor, makes rich, brings low, exalts, uh, raises up the poor from the dust, and on and on and on. What has she discovered? She has discovered what centuries later Jesus will say to the Apostle Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Paul says, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul's response, therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. Why? So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And in the midst of this predicament prayer, we move to to praise. And she even looks forward at the very end to this horn of his anointed, to the anointed one. Most scholars think that Hannah is seeing the coming of David, which means the coming of Christ. Which means her ultimate hope. And centuries later, another mother, the mother of Jesus Christ, 
herself, Mary, would take up the same prayer and the same themes. In Luke chapter 1, Mary says, And he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud. In the thoughts of their hearts, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones. He, He has exalted those who are humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich He has sent away empty. And Mary says, Let it be to me according to Your Word. You see, this is not just a mother's song. It's not just Hannah's song. It's not just Mary's song. It's our song. He raises us up from the dust. We're called to be humble. We are needy. We are poor in spirit. And yet, in in chapter 2, verse 9, He will guard the feet of His faithful ones. This table is a picture of power perfected in weakness. Bread and a cup. A king on a cross that looks like such foolishness and yet it turns the world upside down. I'll brag on my, my, my wife for, for a minute. One of the things that Cindy did as we were saying goodbye to my mom, she got her phone, and on her phone, we use uh, audible books. The, the last two nights before my mom went home to be with the Lord, Cindy put the phone right next to mom's head, and all night long for those two nights, my mom heard the Psalms being read. And the next morning, after my sister had spoken to to mom, Cindy said again, let's read Psalm 23. And we took up Psalm 23. And as we were reading Psalm 23, right in the middle of Psalm 23, mom, mom went home to be with the Lord. And as we were sitting later just processing, we realized that we had seen the ultimate in power, perfected in weakness. One moment, Mom was in great pain. She struggled with pain for years. The next minute, she was in glory. One minute, Jesus Christ is on the cross. Three days later, He's in glory. We're all heading in that direction, aren't we? You've only got a certain number of ticks in your heart. Are you going to glory? Will you be in His presence? Do you recognize that power is perfected in weakness? Run to Him. Trust in Him. Look to Him with your troubles and your sorrows and your prayers, and you'll end up praising Him for who He is and what He's done. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for this simple message, and yet we ask that you would give us hearts to look to you and trust you. We pray that in the midst of our sorrows and our pains, we'd run to you and we'd trust you, and we wouldn't use you as a ticket to something else. 
We wouldn't be trying to bargain with you or manipulate you. We'd say, look, it's yours. It's yours. My life, my stuff, my gifts, everything I have, it's, it's yours. And I recognize that you will protect me. You will bless me. You will give me peace even in the midst of, of all of this. Lord, we know that mothers are far from perfect. Fathers are far from perfect. Children are far from perfect. But the one person, the one person who ever lived on this earth who was perfect bore our sin. The one person who was perfect, the one person who was perfectly obedient, cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that we could have relationship with you we could have peace his life for ours power perfected in weakness and lord as we turn to the table we'd have that on our minds the power is perfected in weakness the power of the cross a, a, a broken body on a cross a king going to a cross and conquering it conquering sin and death. We pray all these things in the name of Him who has come such a great, great distance for us, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand and sing.